0: All right, what's going on, everyone? We're back with episode ten of the Panda Brothers series. This may or may not be the last episode. We'll see how much we get to in this one. We're definitely only going to focus on episode ten, but there's so much in this one that we're talking about. Maybe doing a wrap up series, so we'll or a wrap up episode. So we'll see. Um, we're trying something new today, which is why we're going to be re-recording the first fifteen minutes of this or so. We set up a or set up a Discord server. About a week ago, less than a week ago, and we're recording the podcast on the stage in Discord. So the folks there, we chatted for a little bit, and then they are really patient while Sarah and I figured out all these technical issues. But they'll be able to hear the podcast all the way through today. We'll then stay for a little while after chat for a bit. The episode won't go live for another week or two, so kind of early access. But if interested, jump into the Discord server there. It's. Uh, The link is in all of my social media bios. Um, Pretty cool community already. Good group of folks there. But uh, yeah, giving that a shot today.
1: Yeah, it's been fun just seeing that um, sort of community develop and all the different options that it has. So it's been really interesting.
0: So episode 10, you know, Sarah and I were talking before we got started here that the final bit of the episode when they start actually showing the faces and matching up names to the soldiers that we've only seen for the most part portrayed by actors like you could make an entire hour long episode just with that um, mm. talking about what they do after the war and, and all sorts of things so I'm going to make sure we leave plenty of room to talk about that but Sarah I wanted to start it out right at the beginning the opening scene Winters is swimming I mean it looks like he's got something figured out if that's how he's finishing his war, uh, going for a nice peaceful swim in like a private lake, it looks like. Mm -hmm. But anyways, Nixon comes over and it it talks about getting out of the military. And it just kind of hit home in this episode that the assumption is that everybody's getting out. When you hear that somebody's going to stay, it's kind of that look of, for real? You don't have to, you know that, right? And I just, I don't know, we've spent... At this point, nine hours watching or even more than that, reading, if you're reading the books about these, you know, at this point, they're professional soldiers. They're really good at what they do. One of the, the most elite fighting forces in history. And so many of them are just, you know, when, when that door opens to leave, they're going to leave.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that presumption probably was true for most because most people were not in the military before. I'm sure, like, if uh, Winters was an academy grad, maybe that would be a different presumption. Um, but, you know, it affected everybody. Um, these people were disrupted by this war. They didn't have the plan to go, but they were, they were asked and called upon and, um, you know, totally answered the call. And I think that was a lot of our wars has been you know it's been like that's the sort of citizen soldiery that we that we sort of have now we almost have a class of soldier with how small the population is but historically yeah you're you know you're a farmer or something and then you get you know go off to war and then uh, which especially world war ii brought people from like all walks of life together from all these different states from across the country united um and then they got out and then Became all a whole slew of different jobs and and things, and that's kind of neat too. At, at the back end, that you know these these were just young men too, very young men, and so they had and they had a lot of living left to do.
0: So to that point, this is the episode. I watch these back to back. What I'll just give you my my strategy here, Sayer. So as we go through these, I watch the episode one, two, three days before we record take a bunch of notes and it kind of refreshes everything. But I watched nine and 10 pretty much back to back. And there's some overlap between the two. I mean, they're both mm-hmm. kind of right at the end of the war. So I had a hard time remembering what happened in which episode, but mm-hmm. going back and looking, this is the episode where they find out that Germany has surrendered.
1: Yeah. They were,
0: they were close to surrendering in nine and for the most part fighting had pretty well stopped, but at this point they do surrender and if you watch that scene, there's no celebration. The soldiers hear it and kind of go, okay. Hmm.
1: That's interesting. I don't even know if I would have, I don't think I picked up on that. I mean, I maybe where you're going with this is the brooding uh, of the, the dark cloud that is the Pacific theater and whatever that looks like. There but you go. Um, the fact that they didn't even give it pause to celebrate or whatever. That's interesting. I, you know, you know, there's just a nuance that you picked up on. Um, But yeah, I think that the mentally to think of what they had to go through that they couldn't even celebrate Germany surrendering because it was like for them in less than a year now, at this point, they've invaded mainland Europe, defeated the enemies, drinking his wine Saw the true evils of it with the concentration camp. And then it's like, oh yeah. And stand by, you're gonna have to now invade mainland Japan, which I'm sure they weren't focused on they weren't focused on the Pacific theater at that time or whatever, because they had their own crap to deal with. But I'm sure they knew the stories, some of them coming out of there, that it's not a place you want to go. And to think that that dark cloud hanging over back to we kind of mentioned in the last episode of there was no 12 month deployment it wasn't a nine month deployment i mean it it was a finality deployment it's over when it's over um it's just one more notch in that mental resilience and toughness that they had to go through on such an already already harrowing sort of journey that they've been on
0: yeah and i think it's we talked a little bit about this last time but there's a point in the war in Europe. And well, really in all of World War II, there's a point where the outcome is decided. And all of these guys knew Germany was not going to win the war. The mm-hmm. question is just how long it was going to take. And, and by this point, you know, we're talking probably March, April timeframe that the fight for Berlin is, is coming up, if not mm-hmm. underway, it, it's, Germany's not rebounding from that. Like, they're not all of a sudden going to have some big push to the sea. So it wasn't a surprise that Germany surrendered, right? Like, everybody was kind of expecting it at some point.
1: I mean, in April of that month, sure. But go back a few months the D-Day. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, what I'm saying is it's still a, it's a pivotal, pivotal moment.
0: Pivotable. Pivotal. Yeah, yeah pivotal. so I... I guess what I'm getting at is the the reaction may have been a little bit muted because it wasn't that big of a surprise for a period of time. They knew this was coming, but you bring up a good point. Um, We kind of fly through all of this and it's easy to forget that it's less than a year, right? It's crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Germany surrenders in May of 45. Yeah. So 11 months after D-Day
1: and it seems quick to us, but to them, I, it had to have felt like a very long time to think how long ago D-Day felt at this point with all the different chapters they were through. Um, whether the fact that Tocoa was only a year prior probably would blow their minds to think it was only a year ago. And, um, heck for some of them, the replacements a year ago, they were in high school still. Uh, that's all pretty wild, but like, they didn't know what they were getting into necessarily with Normandy. They had to poke into, you know, Market Garden. Again, it's viewed as a failure. And that was a chance to poke into Germany because, again, they didn't know how. It wasn't easy. And they they did a massive airborne operation. And it didn't work. So the Germans are still fighting. Um, but uh, I think a part of it also is just they're a high-performing elite unit. And they're not going to spend time and just keep celebrating or look at the past at all. They're just going to keep moving forward and thinking forward. And I think that that's also a part of it, too, by the way.
0: So I want to get to there's a couple pieces here around that looming fight in the Pacific to where there's almost like no time to celebrate. Right. There's a little bit of singing. There's a little bit of joy for sure. But I can't pass up the opportunity to talk about when they're trying to get to the eagle's nest. Hitler's hideout Mm -hmm. in the Bavarian Alps, not hideout, that's not the right way to put it, but um, I think they actually refer to it as, maybe not. Hideout's not the right term. It's like a a getaway. Yeah, lair, we should say lair. Evil lair, that's a better
1: spot,
0: yeah. Anyways, Easy Company's trying to get there. Five oh six is trying to get there. And um, there's some roadblocks. And I love that instead of just showing the roadblock and whatever, they show soldiers stacking grenades on the rocks and then firing a bazooka at the grenades. It's perfect. Like soldier problem solving at its best right there. Sarah, I don't know if you can hear me, man, but I think you froze. There you go. You're back.
1: Yeah, this has been my week. (laughs) I guess that was my internet this time. Um, No, but you were talking about the, they were just lobbying, they were blowing up grenades with rockets, basically. Perfect. Yeah. I was even looking at that, like, don't do that. Just don't, not this late in the game, guys. Don't be doing, <laughs> you know, don't, it's just not worth it. Be patient. You'll get there. Um, and you're right, they're, they're very nonchalant. And, but I, by the way, I get it. You, you become very comfortable with those sort of things. And it's very, it, it becomes very normal. So watching it, watching it is like, whoa, they would use a bazooka like that. But for them, they just they've been around it for so long that using grenades as a tool is yeah, why not?
0: Yeah, I remember in, in Afghanistan when we first got there, C four. Mm-hmm. Right. It was like, gotta be very, very careful with this stuff. And only a few people could touch it and gotta have all this experience. And by the time we left, like every other soldier was like piecing together some crazy anti IED C four that they'd shove in their pockets and take with them, right? Like
1: it's a G.I. Joe Play-Doh, and it goes anywhere. You put on anything. It, it, it does blow up, and it's fun to blow things up. And, yeah, they gave us a lot of discretion for that sort of thing. And that's what they're doing here, too. Hey, yeah. hey get from point A to point B, and they say, okay, Roger. They don't have a – if they had a bulldozer, they would have used it, right? They weren't stupid. They would have just been taking unnecessary risks, but they didn't have a bulldozer, so you improvise.
0: Let's talk about winters um, this is about the time that he volunteers to go to the Pacific and I don't know the numbers of how many people did that mm-hmm. um, they I do think the series this, you know it makes it look like anybody could just raise their hand and go I think the general he was speaking with um, kind of addressed that a little bit where he said I took this meeting out of respect for your record um, mm. I don't think that was very common. I don't think no matter how strong a soldier was or leader was that they could raise their hand and say, now I want to go to the Pacific. That's just not generally how the military works. Um, somebody else is going to make that call for you, but Winters tried and the idea of your men have earned the right to keep you. Anyway, Sarah, so I want to hear your, your thoughts on that concept of volunteering to go and then the decision.
1: I, I think it's real interesting, like, uh, seeing a senior, senior leader taking care of soldiers, you know, because I don't know, a lot of time, like, I feel like if I was a betting man, if you would have said, hey, a guy that volunteered for, for the Pacific before, when, when they were still sort of doing their thing, needing units and thinking about mobilizing the army over there, would they have turned down a guy based off of his record and been that and scrutinized it that much? To say no, job well done. I would have, I would have, if I was betting, I would have thought, no, they'll take him. He's an extra body. They need all that they can get, you know. And and hell, even better, one with all this combat experience. Whether we use him on the line or not, like there are, there's always going to be a use for a guy like that. And to see the senior leader general um, sort of s- step in, where winners again is try- just trying to do his job. He's just trying to do his duty. Um, And that pressure, I guess, you know, to what he feels is the right thing. And he probably felt able-bodied then. And the war is still going on. Um, And just to see the general, um, well, it's like when you see the uh, winners and so will you salute the rank, not the man. Well, this is the other way around of respect. You respect the man, not the rank. And I think it's a great example of that.
0: I mean, it's worth noting at this point, they don't have dates with every one of these conversations, right? But you got to assume this is in May, June. I mean, it could even be, even if it's right at the end of July, your your average general like that, if there can be such a thing as an average general, didn't know about the atomic bombs, didn't know that, that the war in Asia would be ending, didn't know about you know the, the Soviet Union's plans to invade. So there's no foresight here of don't worry about it. It's going to be over soon you got to assume at this point that everybody in that decision-making process thinks the war in Asia is going to go on for another year plus.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, um, yeah, they, nobody knew anything about the Manhattan Project. I just read an article today about, uh, the people that did the laundry there had no idea that they were doing laundry for all the administrators and all the scientists out there. They were just told, If it here, have this before you wash it, use this little clicky thing. If it makes clicky noises, call us. And it was they would have no idea. It makes clicky noises. They're not watching uh, Chernobyl on HBO to know what that means in 1945. Um, But again, this is servant leadership. And why I think it just really needs to, you know, just to harp on this, it's like if that general was selfishly concerned with. They were like, what, the 17th Airborne Corps, something like that. I don't know. name, But some sort of new Airborne Corps that's training to do some sort of big drop, paratroopers, airborne infantry. If if he was all worried about his needs of being in that position, then he would just say, of course, I'm going to use a guy like Dick Winters. Like, I'm going to use him. Uh, He's going to be a great asset to this organization and he can help me do all of the things that I need to do, sort of mentality. But he just you know, he takes two steps back and views the big picture, and then he views it from what he thinks what he thinks is best for Dick Winters. And I'm not saying the general knows what's best for Dick Winters, but he was trying to at least think about Dick Winters more so than really anything else. Um, and that's important.
0: Now, there is a part of this where when a soldier is continually volunteering to go, you have to at least have a little part of your mind going, "What's up?" Hmm. I mean you, that, that that applies, I think, to the last twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Like e- even if they're really good and could be an asset to the unit, there's you know you got to have the question in your mind: Is it best for this person? Is it even best for the unit? If somebody's going on, you know, to take it modern times, somebody's going on six deployments in a ten-year window. Like, hey, that might not be best for everybody involved. Including the soldier and the people that he's working with downrange, even if he's good, like that sounds like a breaking point waiting to happen.
1: Yeah, and the real terrible flaw that hopefully we can learn from is we rotating is a good thing because it it gets new flavor from different perspectives and units, and it it pre, prevents inbreeding essentially from happening. So it, it's all good, but like what you'll find, what we found is you'll have someone who did all these great things on deployment at a different unit. Um, And then they come back and then they've done multiple deployments because they sort of had that mentality, but then they can't kind of hang. um, They can't hang with regular guys. And then they get kind of like kicked to the side. So because some people want to deploy and be able to keep, keep up, but they can't hang physically, you know, and that requires somebody to step in and just kind of be like, pump the brakes too like it's just not you know uh, one 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 12-month deployment is a lot and to think that a lot of people have multiple ones it's a lot on a body it just takes a lot of physical toll um at that age and so that's just leaders just paying attention and just trying to trying to step in when needed and just taking care of uh if you take care of the team they'll take care of themselves truly
0: there's a part in this episode that I think is interesting it's kind of an overall theme where there's this transition from combat. You see a German uniform, you shoot to peace. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden there's German soldiers on the side of the road and you, you're driving past them. And in some cases working a checkpoint with them. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know. I have a weird feeling about that, that like, hear me out here. It makes me happy because mm-hmm. There was hatred, you know, a few days prior, a few weeks prior. And to go from that to where somebody can walk by you without a weapon and start to begin life anew seems like a really positive side of humanity. Like we can stop this war if we want to and then just get on with things.
1: There... You know, wars happen because some someone made a rule somewhere that someone chose not to follow or disagreed with it. You know what I mean? And then a lot of people suffer those sort of consequences, way, 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 way down the chain. And um, I I just feel like most people, just everybody, just wants to to do their thing and sort of be left alone, let their kids grow, that sort of thing. <laughs> And it's good to see that sort of humanity. You're right. That's sort of the phoenix. That's the good that can, which is, it's just coming back to normal is what it is. The way it should be. These people should be able to stand side by side and bullshit smoking a cigarette. That's the way it should be.
0: Now, you know, they, they show that, but they also show the other side of it too, where Webster, Liebgott, and one other soldier, I can't remember, essentially go hunting right? They're, they're trying to find a guy who, you know, they heard from a guy third hand or whatever that this, this guy living in this cabin was the commandant of a concentration camp. And they go out there and they kill him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that's just illegal. And right? there's no other way to frame that. That's, that's, that's an execution. Right. Um, yeah. and that certainly happened to, and not to, you know, I'm, I'm, this isn't justifying what they did, but it's the other side of um for some people they can just turn that off and say got it now we're it seems like webster's that way he seems to turn it off pretty quickly and say okay now we're not fighting the germans got it yeah it's understandable that other people can't turn that off as quickly that doesn't make it reasonable or justifiable to do something about it um but i can i can see where that challenge sits
1: i mean they i could also see it not being the case especially this quickly of a turnaround after because they did liberate a concentration camp so they did see that firsthand they didn't hear the stories they saw it firsthand and at what point do you um, associate that with all Germans I mean what is the sentiment are they thinking everybody knew they all knew the whole cr- the whole country was in cahoots they all knew is that the presumption that you would have and blame you know where you said well actually it was only certain pockets and you know I don't know what they would be thinking at that time but I could easily think that the former would be true, just a blanket, the whole country, civilians, every, how could you not know that this was going on? Um, even though obviously they knew that they were doing anti-Semitic things in the 30s, even in the US. Um, so it's like how they didn't, to me, it's also interesting that they were just smoking the cigarette too at the same time, just after the concentration camp issue of visiting that.
0: Yeah, I mean, the depth of that, who knew, who supported, who, you know, all of that is still something debated today. Right. There's, there's no, so for, for your average private in 1945, I mean, there's no, there's no telling what their assumptions were about, oh, yeah. they, it could have gone in any direction.
1: Right? A year of a year of combat. And then each day their eyes are opening to a world that they didn't know existed. And they're like, what, 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 every, like they're learning this information of, um, this world stage of what's all occurring on top of again the the whole trauma that they just went through like the fact that they're bright-eyed now and actually see some sort of light at the end of the tunnel too Um, who knows what they were thinking going through any of this so that i can't think of the term here
0: but the uh the justice as some saw it being meted out to that supposed commandant is, is one side, but we also saw that happen, um, internal to U S forces when a soldier shot, uh, was it Sergeant Grant, I think shot him in the head, mm-hmm. ended up living at least the yeah. episode lived. Um, yeah. but the men take it upon themselves to, uh, enforce a little bit of justice there and another tough one, right? I understand where they're coming from. Um, that'd be a tough pill to swallow. But it looks like it – you could easily say that it got out of hand. Um, I mean, the guy looked like he was almost beaten unconscious. But it, it, at the end of the day, they stop and, and hand him over to the MPs, it looks
1: like. I, if you're asking my opinion, like um, how I feel about that, I feel like justice has been delivered. Like I'm okay with them beating the shit out of him I, because it's, it, they only beat the shit out of him. Uh, It could have gotten worse, and I feel like everyone would have regretted if if it got worse, right, at the end of the day. And that's why, I mean, justice happened, because um, presumably he had a trial and sort of there there are laws against that. There's military police, there's military courts, and uh, they're going to punish him. He'll ultimately be punished through that system, because in a week or whatever, he'll be all right there. But he, did, he deserved an ass beating, I feel like.
0: And I've got a note here right next to that that says it's easy to judge from here. Um, I didn't just go through a year of combat in the European theater with one of my friends shot in the head after hostilities ended. I didn't experience that. So to sit here and say it's the right thing or the wrong thing, um, I, I think, you know, in the perfect world, you would say beating somebody up like that isn't, isn't the, the right thing but there's emotions at play there that I just can't appreciate.
1: No, I, you know, I'm all for it. Yep. Chain of command had their back chain of command were present. So there was no lying involved in my opinion. Um, so it was all done. That's what I mean. I think the whole thing is justice, justice served and maybe not good enough because we still don't know what happened at the end. Did, what was the military punishment? And then did the guy die from the headshot? I mean, geez. Um, the whole thing is shitty too, by the way, because again, they're they don't really have a mission right now, and that can get people in trouble. There's alcohol involved. Um, there's 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 comp- there's competition between sister and adjacent units. So even though they just did this whole thing together, I guarantee there was like, hey, these sons of bitches, they're talking about other people and saying they're talking crap about them, and uh, so they don't necessarily get along. And you've got the testosterone and the The emotions are high. Again, inject alcohol to this scenario. So it would be a very challenging time to be a leader, to try to keep the reins on everything.
0: So Sergeant Grant survived. Um, Sounds like he had some speech problems later in life and his arm was partially paralyzed, but passed away in 1984. So um, that's one of those where, I mean, I'm sure that impacted him throughout his life. Substantially, right, right, but but he did come home. He did survive.
1: Sure, um, it's the senselessness of it, right? That's the that's, that's that tough. feeling in the stomach where you're just like, man, that's jacked up.
0: So they get to Austria, and we get to this point in the series where it's just like good news after good news after good news, and we've kind of hit that point when they pull up to, it, I don't know, it looks like a hotel um, that they're staying at. They're going to take over for the at least the regimental or battalion headquarters. Not a bad look. And this, like, I would love Major Winters' job here for, like, the next month or so because he's just doling out good news to people. Um, he he talks to, and they've got about a month there, right? But he gives Malarkey the news that they're trying to get people home as best they right. can. And, uh, and they're finding these creative ways. They they get Malarkey to uh, be, like, a jump demonstrator in Paris or something, like, got it, he's out of here. Um, they pull Lipton up, Um to battalion staff i mean it's just he's having good conversation after another and it seems like throughout the entire series it's the opposite he has the tough crappy conversations
1: yeah yeah that's right (laughs) Mm. that's another thing i didn't pick up on but you're absolutely correct absolutely correct that had to been a very happy time it's like writing an award i wrote a valorous award that was one of the and it was towards the end of our deployment too towards the back end of it. And so there was light at the end of that tunnel and like you know, being able to write the reward and like he's gonna have this for the rest of his life and like honoring, like letting the guys get credit for what they did, letting malarkey get credit and time off the line. It's like, oh, it, yeah. Um, it's like the giving, charitable giving, how they say that's what, you know, with rich people, they, the value you get with all of that. It's, it's just the kindness um, and to have optimism. For these guys and then maybe they were able to soak it in think I mean truly think about think about where they were too like not just the elation of Germany surrendering and, and all of that but like they were in a pretty awesome spot in the whole world to be sort of celebrating this time together.
0: So one of the things that winters hands off to to now lieutenant Lipton is to accept a German general surrender because the general didn't want to surrender to, I think there's a private out there or something. And, and this is one of those things at the end of these wars where you accept surrender everywhere. Like you just yeah. get it done. I, I did a video about this recently where um, you don't waste your time. Once the surrender mm. happens, you as quickly as possible take possession of aircraft, take possession of tanks, take weapons out of people's hands, get the generals removed from their men. Like you don't want to risk Well, let's do that next month. And and it gives Ah. them time to relax. So in turn, there's colonels and generals all across Germany and eventually in Japan that are surrendering to not equal ranks. um, And just happens. So he sends Lipton out to um, accept the general surrender. The general speaks to his men. And I thought that was a really cool scene because the speech he gave, I think, could have applied to soldiers anywhere.
1: Yeah. No, I th- I think it was um, it's well, it's just they they're not at the end of the day they're not there. They're probably I can't speak for any soldier besides myself, but I feel like well, the series is called Band of Brothers, and so I think at the end of the day they're in it for each other. They're the ones side by side who are dealing with it in the shit, and um and that's what it becomes all about really, and that's. Probably why, you know, as soon as people say, hey, stop fighting now, then they can just smoke a cigarette and hang out on the uh, um, at an intersection with one another. But I thought it was a really great scene. Good, um, maybe closure, like the finality of the war. And even like, it was Lipton, wasn't it, that got the pistol? Uh,
0: um, no, there's a different scene there, I think, where Winters lets the guy keep his pistol.
1: Well, it's a lieutenant. I think it's a lieutenant, but like it's the, the officer didn't even um, I because when you're watching it, you feel like the officer is going to object that it's a just a second lieutenant, but he doesn't either. I was kind of expecting that, but he doesn't. He just he just wanted to surrender to an officer, uh, even a second lieutenant of all ranks. Right. The lowest of them all. And uh, yeah, there was just he carried himself as, as a guy, a commander of troops, you know, the whole way through.
0: There can be honor in war. And yeah. I think the further we get away from a conflict, the easier it is to point to those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always been interested in that. It's not the glory or the valor, but the, the integrity and the, the, the honor that you can find on a battlefield like that, where it really is the, you know, the extreme human conditions. And you can still see things where, again, these people were trying to kill each other a few weeks prior it doesn't right. get any worse than that like that's it and now they're having cordial conversations and showing respect to each other and I just it's fascinating to me to be honest um how we how we as people can go back and forth between those two things in a relatively short period of time
1: I think a lot of it has also given them uh well not completely dismantling their uh, system that you just went to war with as a threat. You know, you keep those systems alive and their hierarchies. And then when you kind of do that, then you're forgiving a lot of their past mistakes. But if you think about even like civil war, they, they had the reconstruction phase. Yes. But for the most part, people kind of just went back to uh, sort of back to business. There weren't a lot of like people going to jail over that stuff. You know what I mean? Like and there were German officers that went to jail. And yeah, but we all know, and we've been talking about, nobody knows the true extent of what everybody was aware of at that time, including the US government, by the way. But um, I think it's safe to say not everybody that should have been prosecuted was prosecuted.
0: Sure, that's probably pretty safe.
1: Um, and a part of that, I think, is to keep the society going forward. Um,
0: yeah. And every, every conflict's different. Every outcome is different. Um, I think again, it, it, it requires distance. Um, either that or this part of warfare is done because it doesn't seem like in the last um, little while that this is as much a theme, but we'll, I think that has to do with the freshness of it. My opinion. It's, but,
1: yeah. State department stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, that's their role. That's not, that's not a military role really. Um, that's a diplomacy and I feel like yeah that's I'm not all I have is ideas I would have no other I would have no way to do it right we're dealing with it in Afghanistan the sort of regime change the handover um, continuity who gets to raise the flag it's there are no real answers you know it's there's a million different things and variables that can go right and go wrong
0: so as we get near the end of the episode here all of the, the way they show it is much of the companies together and they get the announcement that Japan has surrendered a uh, little different emotions this time, but you can still see kind of a uh, head nod and, and keep on going. Cause they're not home, right? This is a, a little part of a difficult part to discuss with war difficult because it varies so much, but when the war ends, it's not over. <laughs> um, this is a massive military that was stood up and, there's people that are going to remain in Europe for, for a long time. Many of them will come home, but it's not going to be on the first ship back, right? We got to get the wounded back. We got to get, um, oh, there, there's a lot of things that need to happen, but it's hard to appreciate what that must have felt like hearing that the war is over, not just oh, Germany. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, it would be interesting to go back in that time and just, that feeling but that always comes with a double-edged sword because you will only get that feeling through great suffering and what got him to that point um with how many they started with and then how few that lineup was at the end of it even like with compton playing it's like you forget that because the episodes are quick turnaround but he was off the line for months i mean he got pulled in bastone and uh and so they I think it was really cool. That they're able to. He was able to link up with them again, before you go home and everybody dismantles too. By the way, because kind of as we mentioned earlier, most people didn't stay in either. This was kind of there. Well, they were very great about the reunion thing as soon as they got back. Uh, Five hundred six in particular. I think. Every, I think in nineteen forty six they had their first reunion. I, I I am pretty sure about that. I'll find that out. Um, but at that time, they probably did weren't aware of that. I mean, because they were from New England. I mean, just all the different parts of the country. And presumably, they're all going to go back to those parts of the country and do their own thing, whatever that may be.
0: And during this, this is the part of the show where they go around and show not everybody that's been in the series, but a lot of them, and, and say, this just this hit weird is the best way for me to say it. They'd show a soldier and say, I think it was Liebgott, and said, he went home and drove a cab. And then they show. I think it's Sergeant Randallman and say he worked in construction, hmm. and it's just like you know he worked in construction, and and you know or I think they said and he's still doing it today. Or Leeb got work, drove a cab and died in 1992, or whatever it we I'm making that last part up, but it was crazy. It's like I feel like you got to know these characters, these these soldiers, these these real people so well, and see you know some of their hardest times, and then excel in the toughest of conditions. And then we're going to summarize their life with drove a cab. Just felt weird. I, I, it's, it, I think it shows well the mix of these are citizen soldiers.
1: Uh, They are everyday folk from all 50 States. Didn't matter who their dad was. Didn't matter what background they came from, how rich their parents were, um, and they went off and achieved amazing things in incredible time and in life, in the world, really. Um, but it is interesting because then they do go back and you are 20-something and you've done all of those things. And then what what do you say defines you then? You, I guess we're saying the profession, right? I guess the, the real job, quote unquote. Civilian uh, job. Yeah. And that's that was it. That was the buyout. It it wasn't raising family. It was interesting, though. The one guy, though, uh, they—I forget which one it was—had like thousands at his funeral. They mentioned that, and that was cool. And that has nothing. That's the type of cool stuff, right? That I don't care what his job was. Just to me, that's a testament of the person. I think that's a really cool uh, thing to like a a nuance, special.
0: Yeah, I mean, the more I think about it, it, it is. Everybody came back from that war around the same time we'll just say at the same time Mm -hmm. everybody's war ended together if you will Mm -hmm. and when you go to apply for a job you might be standing next to a marine that fought on Iwo Jima and a sailor that took landing craft ashore on D-Day and a pilot that dropped bombs over Europe um everybody had stories right everybody was involved and everybody lost somebody or knew somebody who had been lost so um just interesting you know, the further we get away from it, we can single out individuals and single out units and say what they did was, in, was incredible. But you do hear, well, here, there's a line from, from Shifty Powers, who, as he's, right, Shifty Powers? Shifty Powers, no, right. 50
1: pounds, yeah.
0: yeah the name sounded weird when I said it. Um, he said, so we kind of move through, they, they talk about each one of the soldiers, and then they start showing them. Who were alive when this? Many of them were alive when this was filmed, and they interview them throughout. So they actually, for anybody who hasn't seen the series, this last ten or fifteen minutes of the entire series is worth it because they show the faces that you've seen throughout, and they put a name underneath it and say, "This, yeah. is Carl. Lipton. This is Dick Winters." And uh, it's it's crazy how similar you can you can kind of see how they match their characters portray him. But, uh, anyway, yeah, that portray them. But anyway, shifting power.
1: Well, sorry. Keep going.
0: Yeah. So Shifty Powers says during the war, you could do anything. And when you came home, you lost a lot of that. Yeah. That I think is something soldiers, service members have dealt with for a long time.
1: Yeah. He uh, he said he says it real quick. He says he lost a lot of confidence, too. And uh, I relate to all of that. Yeah. Um, His words stuck with me again i've seen this series a bunch as a kid the takeaway was all that all they really look alike they really did a good job with the personal actors you know the visual is what caught my attention the first time i would have watched this yeah but now it was more just like what shifty like shifty powers really with his kind of talking it was like yeah his reflection kind of struck home
0: dude i mean that's that's it that's an issue um and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't even matter if somebody's gone to war, or deployed, that feeling separating from the military, you hear that a lot where somebody had a purpose, somebody had a mission, they were trusted maybe. I mean, think about the level of trust um, granted a 19-year-old or 20-year-old in an infantry platoon. Um, and then you come out and, I mean, I've, I've heard it before, applying for jobs where people have said, yeah, but what about experience not in the military? Almost like whatever you did didn't
1: matter. Um,
0: yeah, that those words carry through today, for sure.
1: It's there's I, I kind of call it like a combat arms penalty or like a super military specialization penalty, because that would, this would apply to a some sort of submarine nuclear bomb technician or something. And it's like it's so specialized that, well, you could go into military and get a trade. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think it's great it's paid training you can and then you get all your certs you graduate and then you can go do the exact same thing in the civilian sphere same thing same license and same application a little bit different environment but pretty much the same but then like in these combat arms or like these really military specific sort of jobs you don't really have that one-to-one correlation where you can really say well it's like this it's like that and um And that's what kind of stinks because then you don't get the let's say the credit i'm air quoting of the experience that you have behind you and you've got to constantly be educating and like but because you have to kind of like share the experience because it in ways it is hard to describe um these jobs because the civilian world's nothing like you know active duty infantry or field artillery what we had um experienced I mean it's not like the real world you know um but the real world is the majority of people (laughs) and so when you're trying to fit back into society it's like yeah you've got these guys are they're young they're going off they're getting married they're having kids they're enjoying life they got mouths to feed and so um with that comes that responsibility
0: you mentioned credit um having credit not having credit and I think the series sums up well With Dick Winters right at the end, he talks about, I think it was one of his grandkids said, were you a hero in the war? And he responded and gets choked up saying, saying this, he says, no, but I served in a company of heroes. Something tells me he didn't come up with that line after the fact. I imagine that that was in his mind from the start. It's how he acted. It's how he treated his men. Mm -hmm. It's I think why they respected him and holy cow, like that, just that that
1: the the whole series is just every every moment in this 10-part series has meaning in it nothing is uh, arbitrary and I just think they did an excellent job telling the story and what I really liked most about it was that they did it in time maybe they did it 10 years too late wouldn't it been even better if they did this in 1990? Because a lot of those deaths that you see afterwards, they occurred in like 95, give or take a couple of years. So just before this came out, but they still got, they still did it. And I, the miniseries itself is a piece of history now, 20 years after the fact that we have live interviews. Um, because the further we get from these events, the more reliance we have on people that weren't there or words that don't have a lot of context necessarily because the person isn't around to explain whatever the letter was like or the purpose behind the uh, diary entry and those sort of things. Um, so I, it came out at the right time. And um, it, it made me, I don't know if anybody else, but like Winners, there's other books about Winners too. So there's Band of Brothers, the book, yes, but then there's other things about
0: Richard Winners too. I guess Brother is one of them.
1: Yeah, there's like memoirs too. I think the one I had, has, uh, I know that King Seed was the author of that book. I, I know I read that one and it's more like one-on-one with winners too. So it's like for those that want to learn more, if they're interested in this topic and they're like, okay, I've soaked all of this in and I want to keep, um, I like the topic and I want to read more. Well, there's, yeah, there, there's definitely more about, um, I know for a fact about winners. So I would, I would say, check that out. And that book's by King Seed. Um, he just delves more into his thoughts. Uh, same time frame, though. Same, a lot of similar stories, but I recommend that.
0: Well, Sayer, thanks for the recommendation. Or the idea of of doing this, walking through Band of Brothers, who was you initially brought it up, saying how big of an impact it had on your life. And as I started thinking about it, it was, yep, check all those boxes as well. And there's a lot of fun to get back into it. And I think I picked up more watching it this time than I ever have. And I think we'll probably keep this going with maybe the Pacific, maybe Generation Kill, um, and eventually maybe just get into some movies because it's, it's a lot of fun getting into it and talking about it. So appreciate you bringing this up.
1: Yeah, no, it's been, uh, it's been very fun to do.
0: So I think that'll wrap it up today for the episode 10 Band of Brothers points. That's 10 episodes on the Band of Brothers series, but we'll be back soon. We're going to jump now back into the Discord and chat with folks there. So we'll see you soon.